Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Allsport.com and Allsport Magazine, I'm Kevin Turner, and this is the Allsport Podcast. Uh, well, it's getting to that time of year uh, where, well, we have lots of say about who we think has done well during the season, uh, but it's also your chance to have the say with the Allsport Awards. So we're going to have a quick, quick chat today about the six categories that you can vote for that will then be announced. The winners will be announced on the 3rd of December at the Allsport Awards. And joining me to go through the nominees that we've carefully selected after much debate and argument in the office, just as like it was a top 50 list that we would do, uh, is Allsport.com editor Hayden Cobb. Hayden, how are you doing? Oh, very well, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, actually. Not bad. It's always uh, it's good to get to this sort of time of year when you're looking at season reviews and you start putting people in order and do lists. And I know some of the journals hate doing it. Uh, yeah, but actually, time to upset people as well and well, disagree, you know, yeah. just in time for that Christmas festive period. Yeah, yeah get into the Christmas spirit, yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I never go out of our way to uh, do things deliberately uh, to create argument. I, everyone thinks that we do, but really, we have enough arguments in the office about these things to, uh, uh, without going out of our way to do any more. But uh, let's, um, let's press on with some of these nominees and we'll go through, me and Hayden will discuss why they've been picked and what uh, what they've done this year, and then you can decide, uh, uh, dear listener, who you would like to vote for. So we'll start with what many would regard as, I guess, the big category, the International Racing Driver presented by Pirelli. And this year's nominees are Fernando Alonso, Jake Dennis, Alex Pelou, and... Max Verstappen, which is not a surprise, I think, to be on the list. So, so Hayden, let's start. Let's let's let's. We're going alphabetical. That seems fair. So we'll start with uh, Mr. Alonso, who I would argue has almost single-handedly made the 2023 F1 season more interesting, uh, and no um, no more so than um, than Interlagos recently. Hugely, hugely, and it's funny that you say uh, the last person on this list wasn't a surprise because I think if you'd said at the start of this year that Alonso was going to be on this nominees list. That would have been a huge surprise and a huge shock. When Aston Martin rolled out their car in pre-season testing at the start of this year, it gave him the equipment to to do what he's been doing this season. Those run of podiums at the start of the year, he has, yes, at least for those first few races, kept it exciting, interesting. The front. And, and OK, he's been around a while, so it's a bit of a stretch to say it's a new face at the front. But we haven't <laughs> seen Fernando in competitive machinery 
for in Formula One for what feels like far, far too long. So, yeah, I, I'm delighted to see him in this list. And, and obviously it times it well in terms of the time we were recording that he's returned to the podium uh, for the first time in a couple of months because, uh, yeah, obviously picked up third place by the skin of his uh, front wing in Brazil, um, which is obviously the first time Aston Martin has been on the podium since the Dutch Grand Prix in late August. Now, I don't normally scream and shout at the television when a race is happening, but I must admit, over those last couple of laps at the Brazilian Grand Prix, I was, because I thought Alonso's drive had been absolutely superb. I'm an absolute classic example of how good his racecraft is, uh, and I'm not convinced there are many people on that grid who would have been able to take that third place in that Aston Martin. So, And I, I like the fact that Alonso's on this list because he's the one F1 driver still left who's older than me. So it <laughs> makes me feel young. So we Ages like since so, coming to this again yeah, already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, okay. Well, we're, I think um, I think given his early season performances and the last one, Fernando's probably a, uh, you know, a good one to get in there. We'll get to some of the other F1 drivers in the other categories later. Um, now we're going to move on to a British world champion. And that is Jake Dennis, who won the Formula E Championship, uh, one of the outstanding uh, campaigns. I think there were sort of three outstanding drivers, probably. Uh, him, Nick Cassidy, Mitch Evans were all, all fantastic. But Jake, of course, wasn't even driving the uh, the Jaguar powertrain that won most of the races. So he's a former Allstock BRDC award winner. Um, so we like to see that he's the third one to win a, win a world championship. So what have you made of uh, what have you made of Jake's season then, Hayden? Yeah, I think. Like I said about Alonso, another one that would have probably been a surprise if you'd said this at the start of 2023, because if you look at his Formula E record before this season, it was good. Wins here and there, generally a consistent performer, but not anything near a, a serious title challenge. But this year, with the new generation of cars, yeah, transformed. It was that run of um, sort of how he recovered from the run of poor form in, in the middle of the year, four race run of not even scoring a single point to really some power through and just pick up those podiums, highlighted by a couple of very key wins. And yeah, it just he just put the season together. And then when it was that all-Kiwi clash uh, towards the end of the season in Rome uh, between Cassidy uh, and Evans, he really took advantage of that. That was sort of the important thing, is he made the opportunity count. He picked up those points and, and made it relatively comfortable for himself in the finale and on, on home turf. So yes, a British world champion winning the title on yeah, home soil like that's that's not often that you could say that no we actually got a green cover for him on the full sort magazine which you don't get to do very often at the moment so 11 podiums as well in a championship that is traditionally as as up and down and roller coaster ride is formula e, i think it's a really impressive job and i think i'm right in saying he's got a red bull test as an f1 that's test. that's right yeah fp1 outing in in abu dhabi yes i've I made a note of that but forgot to say but yeah i think that's that's pretty impressive and it's it's quite interesting to say that yeah that horner obviously made a point of saying that is when he called up Dennis, he was sort of leading along the lines of, of Jake, believed it was just going to be about the simulator role that he has with Red Bull. And maybe, obviously, we don't know the full details of, of how influential, say, he is in that role. But that's not that's worth saying as well, that given how successful Red Bull have been, he has played a, a role in that. But yes, he's been rewarded for his efforts with Red Bull in the simulator and his Formula E exploits with a, with a F1 outing in Abu Dhabi for three practice one. Yeah, it's probably fair to say he's one of those uh, in the wider world, one of those underrated drivers who this year has finally got a bit of a bit of exposure. So very pleased to see him on the list. Now, bear in mind that we have already mentioned Fernando Alonso. It's it really is something to say that the next name is the most controversial, probably in terms of their season this year, which is uh, the IndyCar champion Alex Palou. Now he's had. Well, Hayden, run us through very briefly the uh, the trials and tribulations of him off track. <laughs> well, it's a case of. 
shoot to, to ultimate fame, I guess, when he won the title, the IndyCar title two years ago, his, his first title. And then the lures of uh, a certain McLaren deal and potentially a path into Formula One cropped up and very much he appeared to break contract or it certainly went to legal dispute with, with Chip Ganassi. Um, that largely settled itself and he became, yeah, McLaren reserve driver, picked up a few test outings this year. It seems like the the various promises of what he may or may not have been interested in in, in the near future haven't quite come to fruition at McLaren. So he's pretty much done a full U-turn and found himself in another legal dispute, but this time with McLaren rather than his current employer, Chip Ganassi. So, yeah, you could say off track, not not a smooth sailing season, but on track, different level. Yeah, I mean, I sp- had the pleasure of speaking to Dario Franchitti, obviously, as a long, you know, Chip Ganassi long term and still involved with the team. And, you know, it's fair to say that Alex probably wouldn't have been the most popular person within the Chip Ganassi outfit during, the, you know, with all that going on. But to then, and it's also fair play to the team as well, giving him a fair crack despite all that going on. He's absolutely delivered, and 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 in modern IndyCar terms, a dominant season really, with with five wins, including that run in the middle of the season where no one seemed to be able to touch him wherever he wherever he started. So yeah, rare to see that level of domination and a very much a worthy worthy member of this. Uh, this uh, quartet, I would say. Now, the last one, I don't think we really need to spend too much time talking about Max Verstappen, who at the time of recording has won 17 of the 20 Grand Prix in 2023. Uh, and of the two of those other three, um, uh, he was second, having come from <laughs> come from the back. Not really sure what more he could, uh, he could have done this year, uh, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Hayden. <laughs> not really. I guess this, this podcast is this not to, to influence the vote per se we can obviously probably give our opinions of of, of everyone's seasons as, as we've been doing but uh this is one of the ones where you, yeah there's, there's no there's no negative point there's no point you could sort of say that gives another one an edge on him he has just been near enough flawless all year and the, yeah the records are being broken almost every every grand prix weekend it seems um and it's just just no stopping him in that rb19 Absolutely. Well, look, if you want to vote for either uh, Alonso, Dennis, Palou or Verstappen, head over to awardsvoting.autosport.com. Have your say. Uh, we move on to the next category, um, which I quite, I quite like. I got interested in motor racing actually through the machinery before I got interested in the drivers. That came a bit later. So it's international competition car. Now, we've combined race car and rally car together into one award um, this time. And the nominees are the Ferrari 499P, the Jaguar I-Type 6, the Red Bull RB19, another absolutely shocking entry there, uh, and the <laughs> Toyota GR Yaris Rally 1. So, Hayden, I mean, I guess that we've, with the Ferrari, we've got to say it, it lost six of the seven races that it contested in 2023, but of course it did win the most important one, didn't it? Yeah, I've got to, I've got to say, this was the one that stood out uh, as a surprise, not in terms of the Alonso-Dennis factor of who saw that coming, but in terms of, of the nominees list, now, don't get me wrong, it's Le Mans victory is, for me, the story of the year when we get round to recapping motorsport in, in 2023. Uh, and it's, yeah, its performance throughout that event um, was spectacular. Granted, the various balance performance bits may have sort of lent a little bit towards its favour and things did align well. But you've got to say the car, the team, Ferrari themselves put the package together to win that race 
on on merit. You, you can't really dispute that too much. Um, and it is the one they all want to win. Is as wonderful as I'm, I'm delighted as I'm sure Toyota will be with the team's championship in the World Endurance Championship, uh, and of course the drivers' uh, title as well. They probably will sort of feel a little bit shortchanged though, because the only race they didn't win was the one that matters the most. It reminds me of 1998 when there was the FIE GT Championship and Mercedes won every single round with the, uh, well, I think they actually started the year with the older car and then they brought in the later one, but they lost Le Mans. Uh, they didn't win. Yeah. Porsche, Porsche won Le Mans, that's all that people cared about. So, But actually, I was involved in the discussions of this one and, and the Toyota, the the the, the uh, GR10 hybrid, was on the list as well as a candidate. In the end, the Toyota lost out partly because there was another Toyota on the list with the Yaris, partly because it had been on before. Um, you know, the, it had already been you know, nominated in previous years. It's not a new car, whereas, of course, the Ferrari is a new car, so it's the first time it's eligible. But also, I think when it comes to cars, there's got to be a bit of X factor. And as much as I admire the Toyota, the Ferrari looks a thousand times cooler, doesn't it? I mean, oh, <laughs> dear yeah. listener, you may not want to make your decisions based on that, but I think in terms <laughs> of looking at pictures, I'd rather look at a Ferrari, but that's just me. Moving on to something completely different, although, of course, some of the drivers do do both WEC and Formula E, and that is the Jaguar I-Type 6. Now, as we said earlier, Jake Dennis actually had Porsche power, but Nick Casty and Mitch Evans both had uh, had Jaguar with the works in, in Envision teams uh, and won half of the races. This kind of had to be in there, didn't it, Hayden? Yeah, th- this one, again, I think when I read the list, I was like, oh, but then I looked at the numbers and lo- and assessed yeah, on on reflection of of its season, and yeah, it, it totally deserves it. They like say one more than half in when when it got the package full, uh, fully tuned in or tuned up, <laughs> it won eight out of the final eleven races of that Formula E season. Yes, yeah, sure, Porsche had the the relative head start. It, it made uh, the early races count, but it couldn't carry that dominance over and and got overtaken by by Jaguar and. and yeah, there's, it was a imp- very, very impressive season between their two teams to finish first and second in the in the team championship. And let's be honest, I think had had a couple of their own drivers not run into each other and a few things gone differently here or there, they probably would have picked up the, the driver's title as well. So fully, yeah, fully deserved to be here. I, I totally agree with this one. I'm just wondering when the last, I should have looked this up beforehand, shouldn't I? I wonder when the last time at a Jaguar was nominated for this category. I bet it was quite a while ago. In fact, I'm yeah. going to guess. Yeah, surely the XGR 14 Group C car in 1991. But I mean, that's God, that's more than 30 years ago. Show my age there. Right, we'll move swiftly on, I think. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, now the next car just narrowly scrapes in. Uh, <laughs> the Red Bull RB19 having won, as I say, at the time of recording, uh, 19 out of 20. Yes. Um, having only not managed to win Singapore. Um, I mean, yeah, what is there to say? I mean, I think probably the interesting thing about the RB19, reminiscent of the F2004 Ferrari, its domination is not to be seen in qualifying. I mean, it still had more poles than the other car, but the pole gaps have usually been quite small. Um, now, partly that's because I think we've got, you know, with Charles Leclerc, we've got one of the great qualifiers who just can pull laps out of the hat. But I think it's also because of the way that those cars use their tyres, which, of course, then reveals why the RB19 is so dominant, is that... Yeah, we've seen it time and time again. It's not only quick, but it can keep doing those lap after lap after lap. Its strength and its all-round package really add up to make it the full sort of dominating uh, force in F1. And I would say, I think, purely looking at this this Formula 1 season alone, is it, you have it's been alongside cars 
and rivals that have inherent flaws in in their packages that they've not been able to rectify at the same time. So I guess I'm not taking any gloss off the RV19, and and and, and I do totally agree it's it's place here, but maybe it's at that added to what it's competing against has elevated its success levels even higher, but. Uh, that's that is debatable. I, I no, well, I think you're right. I think because actually, I think the McLaren MP44 from 1988 is a similar thing. You know, people remember that. You know, it's an iconic car, but you know, I think we talked about it before. You know, it had Senna and Prost driving it, and McLaren probably only needed to do a half decent job with those two in the car. Uh, Williams was struggling with Judd engines. Ferrari didn't quite get their act together. Benetton changed engines. Yeah, there was a lot of teams that weren't in the right place. So it was it was a fairly low bar they had to beat that particularly, and I think perhaps the RB19 is in a similar situation. But I think you have to say not the, the sheer reliability of the car as well is is incredible. You know, Adrian Newey cars have sometimes in the past been let down by reliability, and of course even last year the RB18, which did win this award last year, started the season with some unreliability. They didn't even have that, did they this year? So again, uh, tricky no, to pick any holes just in that, that one. Sort of gear shifting or that that Verstappen no talking the braking that sort of grew to, to fame during no, the last but it hasn't derailed it it hasn't been this like problem that has yeah thrown it into the barrier stopped no. it running it is just this thing that keeps going so yeah that you can't really even use that as a as no a I think that's Verstappen's inherited Lewis Hamilton's um, problematis which is when <laughs> when things are going too easily they have to it might even be a subconscious thing actually they have to invent a bit of a problem to overcome to stay on it so yeah, I always true. have a little bit of a chuckle when we hear Lewis and Max's uh, radio message. Like it's, like it's like Lewis is old. These tyres are terrible. Fastest lap the next time through. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've gone off topic. So uh, the la- and the last car is, I think this is a fairly obvious choice from the rally world. Really, Toyota GR Yaris Rally One. You know, Hyundai and M Sport Ford <clears throat> at various points have had their moments, have won events. But I think um, the fact that the Yaris has won, you know, eight of the events we've had so far with three different drivers, I think that's quite impressive. I think, um, yeah, definitely earned its place uh, on on the list. Uh, any any thoughts on it? Had to be the Toyota, didn't it, from the World uh, Rally Championship? Entirely, and and yeah, you've you've spot on there in terms of the its rivals, Hyundai and M Sport Ford, have had their their days in the sun, but really Toyota, it's it's had their entire season in the in the sun. Really, yes, they they have let a couple of wins slip by through uh mostly through i would say not the car's inherent faults whether it be driver or, or tire and misfortune um to put it in a pr savvy way but um yes it's it's the dominant package built on what it's uh done since the new regulations came in for for wrc and and it really lays down a marker to to the rest of the uh rivals to say look this is this is what you need to to match and to beat to get within a title contending package Absolutely. Actually, I think we should, you know, Toyota deserve a bit of credit for how long they've supported both WEC and WRC through some quite difficult times. So they perhaps sometimes don't get the credit they deserve, actually, for the amount of support they've given motorsport uh, over the last you know, decade or so. Which leads us nicely into international rally driver nominees. Elfin Evans, Sebastian Auger, Kali Revenpera and Oit Tanak. Now, I reckon we should do three of these in one go, pretty much, Hayden. What do you reckon? Because yeah, it makes sense. three of those are Toyota drivers with very different stories to tell. So, Evans, OJ, uh, and Roven Pair, obviously, um, taking his second consecutive world championship at the age of 23, which is overachievement, to put it mildly, isn't it? So, which uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, it's got to be that superstar colour, Roven Pair. Just, again, a phenomenal season that he's, he's put together. He has... Uh, 
I would say on the whole learnt from his previous year and, and he sort of said that this one was more satisfying it's more of a, a full season a, a dominant package but yeah you just it's just uh, staggered to remember that he is only 23 years old and he's already a two-time uh, world rally champion he has the package of course to to be able to put these results together but he is performing still head and shoulders above his contemporaries uh, that have made this list and even those that haven't haven't made this list and of course you still have that Auger, uh superstar turnout which which you can't deny and I, and again I I could, I wondered if he'd make this nominations list given say for example Neuville has has missed out but yeah every time he's turned up he has performed uh, exceptionally as as he would do it, it as a <laughs> Well, I, I, I like the fact that you said Raven uh, Perez is head and shoulders above his contemporaries or his peers because I don't think OJ is. He's sort of a bit like a Lewis Hamilton figure who uh, only a part-timer comes in. Won three of what the seven rallies he did, was it? And uh, it could have been five uh, yeah. with a bit more luck, which I think is pretty incredible. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I, you, it's quite interesting, isn't it? We're not comparing like with like there. We've got someone very much at the end of their career coming in and cherry-picking what they want to do, someone fighting for a championship, so they're playing very different games. Um, I've always been a bit of an OJ fan, but yeah, I think Raven Perez is very much a worthy world champion. And, of course, Evans got in there by, you know, he kept himself in the title fight, didn't he? He bounced back from a difficult 2022, which I know our WC correspondent, Tom Howard, you know, sort of rates highly. Evans was sort of, you know, in a bad place last year, but has, has bounced back. The story of Evans' seasons is, is definitely one of return. You'd hope, I'll be honest, from my point of view, I'd hoped for a bit bit more again uh, to take on Ralph Ampera and, and Ogier, obviously, when he's, when he's been there. But you can't discredit him for a, a stellar season, been, been a vital part of the Toyota uh, title-winning campaign too. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us to the last nominee, uh, which is uh, which is Tanak, who, I mean, I think he's a great... I was so pleased when he signed for M Sport because I think, you know, we've seen not that long ago, M Sport is capable of taking on the best when they've got an absolute ace in the car like they had with OJ. Uh, and Tanak has delivered two wins for them, um, but they have had a few problems along the way. Hasn't been a consistent season. Yeah, it's definitely. And, and that sort of leads to where he's perhaps <laughs> off to uh, in the future. But... When everything has aligned, which is a little bit like the the car situation, um, they have he's had his day in the sun, and M Sport have, have, have shined brilliantly. Um, so fully deserving of a place here, and, and and generally he has, I think, been near enough best of of the rest behind the, those in the Toyota. But yeah, it's, it's you just sort of, I guess, from a from a neutral's point of view, for a competitive series that goes down, multi manufacturers, which is ultimately what the series wants as well, probably what the majority of the fans want. Um, you would have hoped for just a bit more of those days in the sun. Yeah, yeah, just a few too many problems on the first day, never seen again, really, apart from the old stage time, which was a, was a shame. But when he when he's on it, um, yeah, I think uh, he's still one of the best to watch, isn't he? So if you want to have your vote for um, uh, international rally driver of the year and any of the uh, uh, any of the categories we've talked about so far, it's awardsvoting.autosport.com. Which brings us to British Competition Driver of the Year, which is, this is an interesting quartet as well. I think we should do three of these together as well. Uh, but I'll just list them first. It's James Collado, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris and George Russell. So I suppose let's do the odd one out first, as he's also alphabetically first, which is James Collado, who of course was part of that Ferrari lineup that did the business at Le Mans as we, uh, as we just discussed. Yeah, definitely. And look, sure, of course the Le Mans victory is what stands out and, and probably that's what... 
qualifies him for 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 this list. But again, I think as a season overall, sure, Ferrari haven't had the consistency as in from race to race to to take on Toyota necessarily. But in terms of their performance, their organisation, their what you've expected from Collada, who's who's been been around uh, quite a long time, he really has sort of starred in that in that driver lineup as well, which I think is particularly pleasing to see from from purely, I guess, a, a British perspective for this category. Well, it's also nice, isn't it, that he served his time for many years in the GTE Pro ranks, and Ferrari were. Yeah, and AF course they were very good at, at saying right, we're not going to just go and bin them all off and get a load of new, you know, just out of single seater type drivers. They promoted many of the GT drivers into that program, and I think um, I think that paid dividends, honestly. Um, right, well, let's move on to the three Brits then. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not. Oh, should I ask you? I don't know whether to ask you who you'd pick. You see, this is going to be a big big part of the Formula One season review and top fifty as to which one of Hamilton, Norris, and Russell you think has had the better better seasons. I perhaps give a quick summary of the pluses and minuses then. Yeah, I mean Hamilton ever sort of the supreme performer, but it's much like Russell, I guess, a little bit hamstrung by a difficult uh, Mercedes W14 car. Pole in Hungary, oh, that's obviously the, the standout result. Lots, a fair few podiums. Um, even even you would say the one that he lost because of the excessive blank wear in Austin. That was a that was a, a great performance before that. One of the drives of the season, I think that was. Yeah, yeah, and and you you've got to say you can't blame him for that situation of of not being able to hold on to that trophy. So uh, yeah, he, he's he's still before when when things have come right, he's st- still performing there. Norris is again very much dictated by Carr, which is probably the story of of all these these candidates. Is yeah, very difficult start to the season. Obviously, McLaren openly said they did not have the car that was going to be competitive this year. But once those uh, upgrades and 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 changes have have, deli- have arrived, Lando Norris has delivered, like, and and some I think. Uh, given that, let's be honest, that that car still yes is better, but it still isn't on par or anywhere near with the, the Red Bull Army 19 and yeah he's picking up yeah now he's got a yeah, sprint pole he's picking up podiums pretty much every weekend and yeah could end, could end up finishing top four in, in the Drivers' Championship having picked up not even a handful of points over those first three, four rounds that's that's quite a, quite a turnaround and he, he has continued to deliver it, it's been interesting I think with him having the rookie teammate in Oscar Piastri next to him and I think he has had the edge almost quite rightly at circuits Piastri has never raced at um, which again I think will be a topic for the end of season F1 review uh, podcast but he has shined more often than not uh, in that team and and finally Russell um, it's a difficult one isn't it because Obviously, he had the, the highlight of the win. Yes, we knew the car last year wasn't wasn't great. It's had one podium this year. Has been very close with Hamilton on many occasions, and maybe poor fortune has has scuppered him a little bit over the year. But yeah, I, I think he is. I guess you have said out of those three, who do I think is best? He's probably the one that has just is comfortably P three in the F one British drivers' concern. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we shouldn't be leading the witness, as it were, but I kind of. I kind of agree, really. Although George has run Lewis very close in raw pace, I think in the longer stint, I'd still put your money on Hamilton more often than not. Yeah. And then, of course, there was the Singapore error, which was, I mean, actually, him and Lando both made very similar errors, but Lando must have been a, 
a couple of millimetres further to the left and therefore just skimmed the barrier instead of actually breaking his steering on it. So, yeah, George is, I think he's driven very well this year, but it just hasn't come together for him, has it? A few weeks ago, I would I, I would still have had Hamilton probably top of this list, but you know, Norris has been particularly impressive. Uh, I mean, he was absolutely brilliant across the Interlagos weekend, for example. So I'm interested to see how that vote goes, actually. I know Lando's very popular. He's won the driver vote, isn't he? Driver of the day vote. I think more often than anyone else this season yeah, as well. Right, yeah. So, yeah, a popular guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how that was a really close vote last year, I think, as well. between. Yeah, I think, guys, right, so. I think it was closest out of anything. And I, think and I would imagine, just because basically what we said for the past 25 plus minutes of this podcast, it'd probably be the closest again this year. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Absolutely. So... On to Rookie of the Year. So we've got um, Gabriel Bortoletto, Formula Regional European uh, graduate who stepped up to win uh, FIA Formula 3 against some uh, some drivers that you probably would have fancied ahead of him. Liam Lawson, who gets two uh, scores on the rookie points for this one, for Formula 1 and Super Formula. Oscar Piastri, as, uh, as we mentioned earlier on, and Logan Sargent. So quickly, uh, just going through that, Hayden, I think Bortoletto, you mentioned earlier that, that we've had a few surprises on this list. I think at the start of the year, you wouldn't have predicted he'd be in this for, surely? No, definitely. I think um, those that, that know the series and those uh, know the young drivers that have come through internationally, sure, he would have been uh, one on the list, but nowhere near the top. And I, I am trying to be kind with that as well, but no, he is... He's delivered an answer in, in, in Formula 3 this year. Um, and probably in an unfancied package. Again, I'm not trying to be mean at Trident, but generally it came through. It can be a bit of a lottery, that series, as as we know. Um, but I sort of feel that that makes it even more impressive that he's he's come through, pick, sort of particularly in qualifying, picked his uh, opportunity to get that lap in, avoid being one of those cast halfway through the grid and having to fight your way through and trip up over... Uh, other rivals and yeah delivered delivered in style and therefore as as was to be fair I, I, I was pointed out to me over the weekend f- for at least for the next couple of weeks Brazil has the reigning Formula 3 and Formula 2 champion oh yeah um, good sport yeah with which Felipe is uh, a rare a rare occurrence that they come from the same same country uh, and particularly with, with Brazil but does that mean that we can have a, a Brazilian driver on their fond grid again very soon? Uh, we'll, we'll see, but I, I hope so. I feel like that nation, uh, given its history and culture of, of motorsport overall, it, it's deserving of, of somebody very soon. Yeah, absolutely. You can just see the enthusiasm in the in the stands. Uh, you know, when when you go to Indelagos, it's not one of those races where you go, oh, what, why is F1 going here? There's no one in the stands. Like You can see the enthusiasm and the waves of fans around and all the centre flags and that sort of thing. And it's... You know, yes, I agree, Brazil, it would be good to have them uh, represented on the F1 grid. And I think it's probably fair to say that winning Formula 3 as a rookie, it tends to be the superstars that do that, isn't it? That's right, It's your your Piastri's, it's your Leclerc's, it's your Russell's, you know. So um, we'll keep an eye on uh, on Bortoletto uh, in the years to come. Uh, Now, Liam Lawson. Now, I I couldn't even tell you, should we put him in this list because of his performances uh, in Super Formula, where he almost won the title, went right down to the wire, uh, or because he did a pretty pretty good job when he jumped into the Alpha Tauri for five races in F1 I think you could have in theory had them him on twice one one for each <laughs> Liam Lawson and Liam Lawson <laughs> yeah but then he but, split his own vote <laughs> that's true and and therefore you've, you've given him a better chance of, of winning by, by just keeping him <laughs> once but no it's generally he has caught the eye and some uh this this season for for exactly what you've said we we know that Super Formula is is an incredibly competitive championship, and those 
that has have, have gone into it from from outside of Japan, of course, have either flown or sunk, which doesn't really work, but you go with it with this one, because your Van Dorms, Gasly has gone there, have then gone on to, to F1. And, and funnily enough, Lawson has followed that, but not in the way anyone would have necessarily expected it until Daniel Ricciardo had that unfortunate crash at Zandvoort, broke his hand, opened the opportunity up for, for Lawson. And, and yeah, I, I'd, I'd say he got through that bit sort of paying parachute into the Dutch Grand Prix, got through it. That was the least expected him given he had one practice session to to, to acclimatise himself before calling him and race there. But yeah, he just built and built and built and he pushed Sonoda, who had been in that team for, yeah, let's say three, three seasons now, very close towards the end of his, his time in, in, in that car before Ricardo's return. So hugely impressive. Yeah, and at one point, his sort of roller coaster season looked like it might get him a 2024 F1 drive, didn't it? Either, well, in both ways at AlphaTauri, but one in case Perez got booted out at Red Bull and Ricardo got promoted, or if they didn't renew Sinoda's contract. But of course, that it's kind of seems to have moved away from that now. So we're not quite sure what Lawson's going to be doing, are we, in uh, 2024? Yeah, so he's going to be the obviously the backup Red Bull driver, which is a very common thing that all the sort of major teams have now. Obviously, you've got Schumacher at Mercedes. Um, as a good example of, of recent F1 uh, drivers. And, and I guess he's just got to be there, got to be ready for the next opportunity that comes available, much like he did when Ricardo was was sidelined. Yeah, very true. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that develops. I'm sure we'll see him again uh, some point soon. But uh, now I think the next candidate, I think I'm right in saying that Piastri is the first person to win an F1 race in his debut season since Lewis Hamilton in 2007. It's off the top of my head. Yes, I, I mean, right. if we're including the sprint race... Well, that's why I said F1 a race and not a fully, Grand Prix. Fully yeah. bona fide, yeah. <laughs> but race. he's still we, beating, you know, we haven't had many non-Red Bull wins in any of them, have we? Whether they're sprints or GPs, so um, exactly. we'll, we'll you, you take ha- his yeah, sprint you, Qatar win. You do have to, to give it to him there, and that is... That performance, I think, across that weekend was was something that was like, ah, oh, this, is, this is really what we could expect from Oscar Piastri and the, the rest of his F1 career. It's very exciting. I think that it, he's had, I think you could say, the last two, three years of really sort of up and down time. Obviously, yeah, flew through the ranks, winning every junior title he could possibly get his hands on his rookie season. Uh, and then hit that sort of, that ceiling at Alpine with the likes of Alonso and, uh, and what Ocon was there and there wasn't quite space for him to so get a year on the sidelines and then quickly got picked up by McLaren and obviously contract disputes apart. Shuffle that all to one side. A lot of eyes and a lot of attention on him coming into this year and a poor car to start the year with. Could have derailed this a little bit. But yes, he has picked up and when he's got to circuits that he's much more familiar with, has delivered and has pushed Norris I think really probably further than he would have expected. And yeah, Qatar was sort of one of those, just here is what I can do in the future. And and that's why sort of being on this list is yeah 100% expected. And I'm, I'm delighted to see him there. Yeah, um, I think yeah, the only thing he's 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 lacked really in, in regards to Norris is that time management thing, isn't it? Over the stints we've seen uh, Norris take quite significant chunks of time out of out of Piastri, but you can just tell that that Oscar's learning and that he, he you know he knows that that's where he's he's weak. You can see it in the, in the post race interviews and things. So, um, worth saying as well that he has already won this award twice before. 
for when he won the F3 championship and then when he won the F2 championship, so 2020 and 2021. If he does win this, he will become the first three-time winner of the of the rookie award in three different categories, which is which would be pretty. Uh, pretty cool, but we should uh, uh, we should mention our final candidate, another F one rookie in Logan Sargent. I'd think think it's probably probably uh, been a bit more of a difficult season for him. Obviously, not in as competitive a car, but you know he had, did become the first American to score a point since nineteen ninety three, didn't he? Uh, at his home race, so uh, I think it's been a season of sort of progress, hasn't it, for Sargent? Definitely, and I think F one has sort of become familiar with either yeah. I think, which we said earlier, the rookies that uh, superstars straight from the off and you think, yeah, they're forever. Or those that just really don't do anything and disappear very quickly. I think the the worry from from F1's point of view, probably given that, yeah, he's this American hope uh, and given the support and the interest around that, was that he, yeah, (laughs) he would not struggle and drop off very quickly and, and be a bit of a, yeah, a burden to Williams, let's say. The first few rounds were difficult. There's no getting away with that. But as the season has progressed, he has improved. He has picked up points. He is generally performing and finishing higher and higher as the season's gone on. So, yeah, I, I think he's one of those that isn't going to be sort of discarded instantly and, and is a bit of a crash merchant and things like that. So, there's confident that there is, yeah, he he can stand his own two feet and really and really shine. Uh, with a with a year's experience under his belt, there's there's got to be a lot of hope for him for for next season. Yeah, absolutely. He's, I think he's 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 kept plugging away, hasn't it? In in quite difficult circumstances, with you know, as as Alexander Albon has led the team. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, well we'll look forward to seeing the the votes. And I think rookie was fairly has been really fairly close over the years. I think rookie and um, British driver too. That's quite often two of the closer ones. And um, right, which brings us to our very last uh, award that you can vote for. We've got plenty of awards we'll be giving out um, for, for various reasons, but these are the voting ones. The last one is uh, the National Driver of the Year. Uh, and the nominees are Dan Harper, Tom Ingram, Freddie Slater, and Ash Sutton. So uh, I don't know if you've had much of a chance to follow British GT, Hayden, uh, in 2023, given that you have to be across virtually every championship that's going on at any given weekend. Have you had much of a chance to check in on that? I, I try and keep one eye of my 17 on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've got to admit, um, this is probably what my, my own weakest day. I'll hold my hands, obviously, given the job spec but um no i think dan's had a had a terrific season from from what i've seen and yeah stunning final round really sort of cemented his place on this list yeah absolutely he was already i think i was talking to, to stefan mackley who was our british gt constant obviously now moved on to formula e but uh, started the season with with british gt and saying there were probably two drivers yeah that he was that he was sort of looking at really and 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 dan was probably the probably the the leading candidate we we usually have phil keen for years and years it was phil keen that would come out of british gt but uh dan's uh yeah it's his first real full season in in britain since he won the Porsche Carrera cup in 2019 uh yeah and he had a brilliant comeback drive uh, at Donington Park. We've got to remember we've had some proper drivers in British GT this year. Raphael Marchiello, Jules Gounon, obviously Johnny Adams has been around. He's won the championship four times. You know, there are some proper pros in that championship. So for you know, Dan, Dan to come in, and it's not like it's a multi-BMW effort either. Um, I think, you know, fantastic for him to... to to get that uh, get that title, I guess we should do the British Touring Car guys together. Really, I think you could argue that there were three standouts. Jake Hill's perhaps a little bit unfortunate not to make it. He had a bit of misfortune during the races, didn't he? But 
you know, you've got two very different ways of going about trying to win a championship with Ingram and Sutton, haven't you? That's right, yeah. And I think I think I totally agree with you. Yeah, probably Jake Hill just fractionally off, just a bit unlucky to miss out on these on this list. But yeah, the, the other two ahead of him totally justified. And I mean, what an incredible uh, championship winning campaign from Ash Sutton. Uh, yeah, that twenty third to first at Silverstone. Um, I just yeah demonstrated his sort of strength and, and superiority over over the over the class. And granted, Tom Ingram has still been a mighty rival and a mighty competitor. I have enjoyed their very respectful rivalry. I think it's fair to say sometimes, as as history has said in that, particularly in that series, it can get a bit fraught and a bit nasty. But I, I, I like to say every now and then, yeah, they they they're competitive and they both want to win. But they they respect each other off track, and they, and they generally come across very well. And and I think that's been a refreshing thing to see. Yeah, the current BTCC young guns, I think, are like that. We saw um, Jake Hill and Ingram run side by side for three quarters of the season finale last year, and not fire each other off. You know, I think that kind of uh, old British touring car driver just crash into each other is quite an old. I think it's quite an outdated thing now. If you've been watching the front guys, but yeah, I mean Sutton twelve wins, first person to win that number since Alain Menu in nineteen ninety seven, which was during the during the days of super touring when you could have a significant car advantage in a way that you know you don't normally get now. You know the motor base alliance Fords have been pretty incredible. They have been the pace setter. You know, Sutton was a deserving champion, obviously, with his 12 wins. It'd be ridiculous if he hadn't won it. But I think Ingram has to take credit for just hanging on in there. Pointsy weekends, as he liked to call them. Uh, only two wins, but I think he really maximised, kind of almost like a Fernando Alonso-esque picking up of points, even when the wins weren't there. So, um, yeah, two outstanding uh, outstanding drivers. And talking of which, um, Freddie Slater is our final candidate for this list. Uh, and every now and again someone comes along who just does something so earth-shatteringly big in the junior categories that you think, ooh, uh, and you cotton onto them early. You know, Jensen Button was like that, Lando Norris uh, was one as well, and, and Freddie Slater absolutely smashed everyone in Ginetta Junior. Okay, the grid perhaps wasn't quite as competitive and big as it has been in, in seasons past, given that it's now not on the Toka package anymore, but 16 wins from 21 races before his 15th birthday, which is scary, which means that I've been working at Autosport longer than he's been alive. So, <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, so the opposite to the Onzo thing of making me feel young, he makes me feel very old. But he then upgraded his licence to compete in F4 and took a, took a pole in the F, uh, Euro 4 series. So, I mean, I don't know whether it's a bit early to say, but I've got a feeling, Hayden, we're going to be seeing more of this guy in the next uh, next few years. I really hope so, although something's gone horribly wrong. But yeah, no, as you said about the stats, how young he is, pulling up trees, it's, it is incredible and... Yeah, you can only assume that given those that have done this previously and what they've then gone on to do is, yeah, bigger and, and brighter things are to come. So, yeah, this this nomination for uh, National Driver of the Year is, is totally warranted uh, and very exciting. Will he have to be accompanied to pick up the award uh, on the stage if he wins? Or uh, That is a very good question now. I see it has been my job in the past. Usually, I think it's the under-18s have to be escorted away from the awards before they'll open the bar. Uh, now the, the 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 youngest drivers there are normally you've, you, that's a brilliant seg- segue there Hayden I'm very impressed the the Aston Martin will be RDC Young Driver of the Year award which is also going to be given out on the third of December quite often they're the drivers the youngest people in the room and in years past it's been my job to get them out of the room so that everyone else could start drinking otherwise you get very unpopular and I do remember when Lando Norris won in 2016 everyone including Zach Brown kept wanting to stop him on his we were on our way out. 
uh, kept stopping him to say congratulations, which was great. Uh, but me and Lando needed to get out of the room because otherwise you'd have 1,100 very angry guests. So I finally managed to get out of the room, down to the hotel lobby, and he had an orange juice. Uh, oh, so <laughs> probably still has orange juices now. He probably does, yeah, yeah. And uh, no, so um, yeah, you're right. He probably would need to be escorted out of the premises before the bar opens. But um, if you want to vote for National Driver of the Year or indeed any of the other uh, categories we've talked about already, uh, it's awardsvoting.allsport.com. Uh, and just a quick reminder of some of the other awards that we'll be uh, giving out on the 3rd of December as well. There's the, uh, as, as well as the one I just mentioned, the Young Driver Award. We'll also have the Allsport Williams Engineer of the Future Award. An Allsport Gold Medal incorporating the Gregor Grant Award, the founding editor of Allsport, the John Bolster Trophy for Technical Achievement, Pioneering and Innovation Award, Promoter of the Year, and Sponsor of the Year. So uh, there'll be various expert judging panels um, to decide those. But yeah, if you want to have your say and say, well, we don't care about what the experts say, we want to have our view, get on the website, vote for those six categories. Uh, and we will be uh, obviously Hayden will be on site putting up the winners as they happen on the 3rd of December and then I'll be collating all the pages on the Monday morning so it appears in that week's magazine as well so you can't miss the winners so get on there and have a have a vote so um, thank you very much to Hayden Cobb for joining me on this one and thank you very much for listening please get voting we'll catch you on the next one Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.